Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. We've recently devoted a whole episode to beating the blank page and getting your first draft ready. You hit send, but then what? How do you manage the revisions process, especially when it seems to derail everything? How do you get the client through to the approval stage? If you weren't already nervous enough staring at the blank page, this stage of a copywriting project can have you questioning your career choices. But we are here to help. Stay tuned for some serious process bombs. My name is Belinda Weaver. Hello there. I am a copywriter. My business is Copyright Matters, and that's where I offer courses and coaching for copywriters of all levels. With me, of course, is Kate Toon. Hello, Kate. Hello, I am Kate Toon. I'm a copywriter, the founder of the Clever Copywriting School, a membership shop and course Nirvana, and also the recipe for SEO success, an online learning hub. Oh, I love that. Course Nirvana. Excellent. I just wrote that like just then. I love it. Okay. So today, today, process love, as we said at the end of the last episode, our happy place. And we're going to concentrate on how to manage revisions and approvals, especially the troublesome ones. So Kate, how often have you torn your hair out over revisions? I think we've all been there, haven't we? And I think what we're going to talk about today is how we manage to stop tearing our hair out, because I think you often only learn from mistakes Mm -hmm. so you know when you are not strict on your processes is when you get a 70 page document with handwritten amends on it and you have no way to go back to the client and say oh but no but because you never told them that that wasn't okay so yes I have torn my hair out but now it's all grown back because my processes are awesome Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly how all my process fixes um, have happened when I've just gone, oh, look, you hand wrote the revisions and that's never going to happen again to the process is what I always say. So, you know, I think my revision process on the whole is fairly smooth and, you know, I'd say that 60 to 80% of my clients were always reasonably happy with the copy. So I, I kind of rarely had oh, you need to rewrite the whole entire thing. And listeners will know that that's down to the process. It's about setting the right expectations that, you know, a project is a collaboration um, with revision time. I think that's really important that they understand that that's how it's going to work. It's about getting a good brief, which I think is the start of everything. And it's about paying attention to the brief. So, You know, when you have sticky situations, there's different types of feedback that you can get from different types of customers. And I think we're going to, we're going to dig into that, but let's talk about the following up process. So you hand over the first draft. Kate, how do you follow up from that? Well, I don't, you know, I hand over the first draft and then I frantically move on to my other clients and forget all of that until their email pops back in my email box and I go, oh God, I've got to do that today. I forgot. No, seriously, I think I always try to finish the first email that I send with the copy doc with a question that's easy to respond to. So, you know, maybe once something like, if you've just to check, if you get this email, shoot me a note to say that you received it or something like that. You know, if I haven't heard from them for a few days, I would then follow up and say, hey, just want to check that you got my email with the copy deck on it. Just letting you know that we did put in our timeline, because we had a timeline, that you would get that back to me on this date. Are you still on track? 
you know, that's a really important thing to do. So you can manage all your spinning plates because if they honestly come back and go, you know what, I'm not, you know, this has happened. The dog was sick on it. I've been ill. Then that's fine. You can manage that and you can push them out of your schedule and come back to them and say, okay, great. Well, the next slot I have where I could work on your amends is going to be this date and managing that as well. So just making it really clear to the client what the process is, how long they've got to review the copy and when you're expecting the revisions back. But more than that, I think it's so important to explain the consequence of them missing the deadline. Because obviously what happens a lot, and I'm sure this happens to you, is you know, they miss the deadline, they send it the next day, and they expect everything to just merrily tick along as it was. But it's like, no, 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 you know, you missed your slot. And now I'm working on something else and I'm in the middle of that and I'm not going to mess up that client who delivered on time because you didn't deliver on time. I mean, clearly you're not going to say that to them, but you have to make it clear that obviously you're working on multiple clients. They are important. You never make them feel unimportant, but you have a process, you have a methodology, you had them booked in and then the next spot that they can get is going to be blah. Does that make sense? Is that what you do? Um, mine was a bit more fluid. I really like the way you always explain that when you start a project, you walk through those kind of milestone dates with clients. For myself, it's a bit more fluid. What I would do is I would say I would hand over that first draft and say, now you have you have 14 days to get revisions back to me. And then I would kind of leave it with them. For me, then I'd I'd have two or three days later, if they hadn't heard from them, I'd ask that easy question as well. Just making sure you got the email, were you able to open the document? Um, You know, let me know if you have any questions. And just a reminder, I, you know, you've got this much time left to get revisions back. And then maybe a couple of days before the end of that bracket, I would then touch base again saying, you know, how are you going with the copy? Is there anything you'd like to discuss in a phone call? Because I'd often think, hey, if they're leaving it this long, maybe they're putting it off because they don't know how to tell me something painful and awkward. Yes. So kind yeah. of saying, hey, do you want, I, even though I don't want to jump on the phone with them, I want them to just tell me the copy is awesome and we can all move on with our lives. But if they've waited that long that it's, you know, at day 12 or 11, then they might want to jump on the phone with me. So I would follow up a bit before the time ran out. So for me, I wouldn't have specific dates because some clients would come back within two or three days, but some clients would take that whole 14 day um, time frame. And then for me, once I did get revisions back, I would kind of read them through. For me, the next date was when I was going to deliver the next draft because, as you said, some clients, they expect it to happen really quickly. But I would say, no, it's going to be another week now. So for me, it wasn't a my, your slot is on this date. I would say I'm, it's going to be seven days before the next version. Okay, so quite quite different approaches. I mean, uh, just a few extras on, on mine was that, yes, I did at the beginning of the start of the project because I use Basecamp and I have a very sort of set process. I would put all the dates in into that and I would take the client through that when we went through the briefing. And I'd actually say to them, while you're on the phone with me, why don't you pop these dates into your diary so that you know to clear a couple of hours on the 15th of whatever, sorry about the barky dog, um, on the 15th of whatever, to clear a few hours to go through the copy deck because it is going to take you a couple of hours i'm just going to shut the door hang there for one minute quiet evil dog of satan play some listening music 
listening. Let's not cut that bit out because that's real life. (laughs) This is how we roll, everyone. But, you know, I think that's really smart to to set the expectation that they have stuff to do and it has to fit into their task list just like all the other things they have to do. Yes. And then the other thing I would do, which I really, really think helps is remember that most people who work with a copywriter have never worked with a copywriter before. There's a huge amount of benefit in when you send that first draft, giving the client a call right then and there, not waiting until possibly they're struggling, but calling them straight away and say, Hey, Sue, I just sent through your copy deck. Um, you might not have had a chance to have a look at it yet, but would you like me to walk you through it? Would you like to chat about it now and actually take them through the copy deck there and then because you get to explain your rationale. I mean, they're not going to go, you're not going to go through it in finite detail. You're like, okay, so this is the homepage. As you know, we're going to cover this and this. Here we're on the about page. You know, just give them an overview, which just gives them a way in. And one tip that I shared with the members of my community the other day, which they were like, oh my God, is if you don't want to have that phone call, <laughs> instead make a quick loom video of you presenting the copy to clients. So make that little loom video, talk them through the deck. As a copy, an agency copywriter, you would never send copy via email to a client. You would make a meeting with them and you would sit down and you would present that copy to them. You would read it out to them. You would go through with them. And I think that's a good thing because that's an opportunity to sell what you've written and will ultimately result in revisions. So it can be a real feeling of desperation of just, I want to get rid of it. I want to send it to them and just email it off. But the more that you coach them through that first draft, the fewer amends you're going to yeah and the reason the reason I like loom over a phone call is if you from my own point of view if people call me I'm like don't call me I'm busy I'm sitting down I don't have time to talk so I like the loom video idea because they can go through it kind of at their leisure yes and it's easy just to hit play and just kind of get pulled into the process so I love loom too Yeah, it's great. You just pop the link to the Loom video in your email and, you know, clients will be really grateful that you've taken that extra time to talk to them. And it's another point of connection. We talk a lot about the pod on something I talked about at CopyCon that really a lot of clients aren't really buying the words, they're buying the relationship. So another opportunity to get your voice, your face in front of the client builds the relationship and ultimately makes the whole thing easier to manage. Absolutely. And we've talked about how we are the project managers on our project and it's up to us to take the lead and kind of guide clients through. So when you hand over copy, you know, take the opportunity to do that value add and guide them through the copy deck. Let them know um, the expectations you have on when you expect to have revisions and then gently follow up. I think within, if you have a two week time limit, it's um, fair enough to follow up twice if you hadn't heard from them and just put yourself in your customer's shoes as well. If you haven't heard from them, maybe they find it a bit awkward. So think to yourself, how can I make this easier? Um, Ultimately, we can't make the copy, the client read the copy. So how do you handle revisions if they're later than agreed? I first, first I always remind myself, don't be a jerk, Belinda. Be nice. You're a professional. But, you know, I always like to, as I've said, I like to remind people that there was a time limit as per the terms and conditions that they agreed to. And if they're just a little late, um, 
I would just get on with it, you know, kind of be their hero. But if they're very late, I would do exactly what you said, Kate. My schedule is fully booked and um, it's not something I can handle right now. But I can tackle it um, starting next week, say we're in this week, for example, and I would say give them a date. Um, And then the revision then would take another week to consolidate or something like that. So I would just basically, as you said, explain the implication And look, I won't lie, sometimes if I did have time, I would still kind of push it to the bottom of the pile a bit. Is that wrong? Is that wrong? Just to kind of say, look, there is going to be a little wait because you made me wait, Um, but I would never be a super jerk about it. I always love being a hero more than anything, but I do like to make sure that there's an implication. Is that wrong? Is that wrong? I feel very vulnerable right now that I admitted that I'm a little bit of a jerk. (laughs) You're a bit of a jerk, but I think it's fair enough. I think I, I think we want we, it's it's awful, but we want to train train our clients on making them sound like puppies. But you know, if we just immediately jump to it, even though they're two weeks late, and we had a rule, and we they broke our boundary and our rule, and we just that means nothing to us, and there's no consequence. That's what I was talking about at the beginning. There has to be consequence. Um, so no, I think that's perfectly fine because otherwise the client will go, ah, well, she's at this date, but it actually was meaningless. So next time I'll ignore it again. So I think there has to be consequence. How much consequence uh, on the jerkometer um, is is up to you? You know, you're not going to go right. You have to wait three months. But making, <laughs> someone, making someone wait a couple of days. You know, if it's a fake, like if you really can fit it in, you know, maybe I would. But generally, hopefully you're busy enough that actually, no, it is going to inconvenience you now to move everything around and do this. So it's perfectly fine to let the client wait a few days if they've made you wait. That's fine. I don't think that's jerkish at all. And that's exactly how I do it as well. So, you know, if they came in, I have a two week amends period as well. And if they come in after that, I mean, you know, if it's now two weeks since I sent the copy and I've heard nothing from them, then I would be sending them a final note saying, hey, look, your amends period is not only over, it's two weeks later. I haven't heard from you. I'm going to wrap up the project now because, as you know, in my terms and conditions, we're done. So I'll be shooting through my final invoice for you tomorrow. Thanks and best wishes, Kate Toon, because there's late and then there's like, you know, a wall where the client just disappears Completely. And if they come back like two months later, it's almost like starting again, trying to do amends on copy like that. So it's... What if they What if they came back the next day and went, oh, sorry, 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 here are their revisions? How would you handle that? My jerk-o-meter would go up to level or amber and I'd say, well, look, you know, it is over a month since we last spoke. So I'll take a look. If the amends aren't too extensive, that's fine. I can do it within the original quote. But since it's been so long, if the amends are extensive, I'm going to have to charge a little bit more just to get my head around your brand and your brief again because it's been so long since we spoke. So again, yeah, that's it's awesome. a little bit school mommy consequency, but it's also true. You pick up a, a piece of copy that you wrote three months ago, how are you supposed to just pick it back up and change that thing on page two? You know, you've forgotten yeah. it all. So, yeah. And that's the, that's the point of putting a time limit on revisions is that the client stays focused and you get to stay focused too. Yes. You've got to keep your head in the brand. Exactly, exactly. So let's talk now about the actual revisions process, um, especially difficult revisions, because if, if someone just wants to twiddle some wording here or there, I think we have a few options. We can 
excuse me, you can explain why we chose the specific phrasing that we did. And sometimes clients will go, oh, okay, that makes sense. And sometimes they will want to push to change a word here and there. And, and then personally, I'm like, okay, it doesn't substantially change the copy and the meaning. You've, you get your way because it is your copy. But when there are difficult revisions like the client hates it. Like, I just hate it. I hate everything about it. Or the other one that you can get is, I don't like it, but I can't really tell you why. Um, the third one I thought of is they rewrite everything and it's just bloody awful. And I think that happens more often um, in business services and professional services where all the buzzwords come back in and it just ruins everything. So let's start with the client hating the copy. I just hate everything about it. Well, if that's so we're at first draft stage and they completely hate it, um, hopefully if you followed our previous process, you wrote a sample, um, you did a skeleton. I mean, you don't do this, but that's why I do a skeleton deck. So I've very rarely had this happen. I do a skeleton deck and I do a sample page and they sign that off before I write the full deck. So... If they then come back and say, I hate it, I go, well, okay, so we probably need to reconnect because you liked the sample and you approved it. And this is more of the same. You also signed off the skeleton deck with all the bullet points in and all I've done is flesh it out. So let's get on the phone and really try and get down to the heart of why they hate it because I tell you something, and this is something I want everyone to listen to. The client that freaks out and says, I hate it, when you actually talk to them, they don't hate it at all. They hate this little bit on page one. They hate this word on page seven. But when you get that email, it makes you feel like you want to vomit. But every time I've rung a client to discuss it, they don't really hate it. They're just not comfy with this. And the changes that they want to make are actually really, really easy. So don't freak out. But you do have to get on the phone. That's the only thing I think that you have to do because the client wants to be listened to. That's what they're really saying. They're not feeling heard. They're not feeling connected and they want to talk to you, I think. So call them and say, it's all good. And also make it sound like this happens regularly. Don't make it like out to be a crisis. Don't worry. This sometimes happens. Um, it might just be a bit of a disconnect. Why don't we get on the phone, go through the copy together and find out what it is that you don't like. I'm sure we can work it out. Thanks very much. That is K2. super, super advice. Everyone, thank you. <laughs> I do sometimes know what I'm talking about, just about. Yeah, it's absolutely right. But, I mean, getting over that first emotional response is really tough because you do feel like you want to vomit and then you go through, I don't know, what is it, seven stages of grief or whatever, you know, you get angry and then despondent and then they don't know what they're talking about. Maybe I don't know what I'm doing. Um then you have to let it go and getting on the phone is, is super important and I love that thing of like just downplay it. This happens and I would often say this is exactly why we have revision time to work through all these things. For me, I go back to the brief all the time because that for me in my process, that's my last point of approval and what I like to do is like, well, let's just make sure all the information that I'm working from is still correct and that reconnects them with the brief as well. And then I like to step through the copy line by line, just like you did, because more often than not, once they've refamiliarized themselves with the brief and then they're reading through the copy, it can just be some relatively minor changes that they need. Yeah. And I think we've talked about this before about, you know, when you get that email, you don't read, I hate the copy. You actually read, I hate you. Yes. You suck at this. <laughs> 
you are rubbish, you're an imposter, all those things that you were worried about when you sent the copy off come crashing down on you. You've got to separate the copy from you personally. And look, let's be honest, copywriters, sometimes the copy we produce isn't great. Sometimes it does need more work. Sometimes we did hit the mark. Sometimes we did misunderstand the client. We are not omnipotent, perfect beings. Uh, And we need to sometimes own the fact that maybe sometimes you know, we didn't do a great job and we could do better. Um, So, you know, I think that's fair enough as well, you know. So uh, I think one thing that's very important, as Belinda said, going through it line by line, but make sure before you have the call with the client that you get that brief, you print it out again and you reread it and you own where you failed if you did fail. So, you know, if you go back to it and you go, oh gosh, you know what they did say that they hated that and I did it anyway, that's my bad. Own your mistake. Don't go into that call feeling all defensive and like you have to defend your copy. Just try and have that detachment that go, it's words on the page that need to be massaged a bit more. We will That's get right. there. Yeah. And what I've happened, had happened to me is I've, I've misinterpreted the brief. I've heard them talk about different aspects of their business and I've zeroed in on one that I thought was awesome and it turned out to be a really minor thing or a thing that didn't even exist yet. Yes. And then you go back to the brief and you're like, oh. Yeah, or they've said something like, yeah, one of our tone of voice attributes is this. Uh, you know, out of the five, they said one thing, and you've completely gone with that. Um, and, you know, it was like one of five things. And yeah, they wanted it, but they didn't want it that much, you know? Yeah. Sometimes we get carried away with our own awesomeness and we're so busy writing that we're like, weird, this is brilliant. I'm so great. Look at this. It's all flowing out of me. I'm a genius. Yeah. <laughs> And then we get carried away with our own stuff. And when we actually look back at it, we go, you know what? That we did you're right. We did stray from stray from the brief. We're bad. Bad, bad, bad. And you know, if you're writing a lot of copy, um, this is where a sample is almost essential. And and for me, while I didn't send a sample um, as a regular part of my process, if say a website copywriting project was more than five pages, then I absolutely would because you need to know you're going in the right direction. Or if I found an idea, I was like, ooh, they might love this or they might hate it. Well, I really want to find that out before I write a lot of copy. So even if you don't have a sample as part of your process, we don't want any hedgehogs to die, as regular listeners Zoe found out, um, you know, consider a sample if you think a client might be unsure. No one's going to know what that hedgehog comment meant. All right. <laughs> of course, of course. Regular listener Zoe said that um, from the last episode, she said, um, oh, I probably follow Belinda's process more than um, yours, Kate. And Kate said, you know, every time that happens, a baby hedgehog dies. Yeah. You, you know, we talk about this. You've got to be on either Team Tune or Team Weaver. You've got to pick a team. No, of course you don't. And I think we're, I was actually talking about that with another copywriter today, uh, Lisa Kniebe. I said her name wrong the other day. So, uh, and she was saying that one of the things she likes about this podcast is seeing the different ways of doing stuff. Um, and I think, honestly, if, if, if I was to go back to full-time copywriting again, I'd be stealing about 25 of your processes, Belinda, and pretending they were mine. And I'm sure you'd probably do the same. Do you know what I mean? For sure. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, So the next, I think the next situation we've got that can make it difficult when you're doing revisions is when you're writing copy for someone with a really strong personal voice. Like they're the face of their business, they're used to doing everything themselves, including writing a lot of copy, but they've got to the point where they're like, hey, I'm too busy to do this, I'm going to outsource to a specialist. And they can be really difficult to write for. 
I've had a few. They, they tend to be my tricky clients. How about you, Kate? Yeah, and I think it's also the client that knows it all before you start working with them and the sort of client who says stuff like, look, I could do this myself. I'm a really good writer, but I don't have time. Um, they're the ones that can be really, really tricky. And, um, you know, what can you do in that situation? Again, it's about making them feel heard and understood. I would be definitely recording the conversation. You have to let them know so that you can actually just repeat themselves back to themselves. You know, so you'd say, okay, like, why don't you talk to me about your business a bit more so I can get a better understanding of how you refer to things and then record that and then really take the words that they've used, polish them up and regurgitate them back to them. Um, that's what I do. Does that sound terrible? Am I a jerk? That is absolutely what I do as well. I don't record. I type, um, my briefs are practically a transcript of our conversation. Um, so it's really easy for me then to pull pretty much direct quotes and it can go a couple of ways. Like a client can go, Oh, I thought you were a professional copywriter. You're just using my words. Um, in which case I would just kind of fluff them a bit saying, but they were fantastic words like I couldn't have put it better myself you are super passionate about your business and the way you 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 phrase that thing was just so fantastic that I it had to be in the copy and you could also say it sounds more personable and approachable because it's you and these are your words and that's really important to your audience um but yeah absolutely when someone has a really strong tone of voice or a really strong style uh, I think pulling their own phrasing into the copy is a really way a really strong way to make them feel connected great so I think finally we're going to talk about um when revision cycle goes on too long we've kind of touched on this already um but let's just wrap it up a little bit so I think Belinda and I both have the same uh, process whereby the way that I always quoted my jobs was that you get the copy deck uh, written for you and you get two rounds of revisions for free uh, and the reason why we say it like that is so the client can't go oh I only had one round of revisions give me some money back um, it's 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 that makes it an easier way of doing it so they get two rounds of revisions and Valendra and I both limit it to 14 days so you can have those revisions but only if they come within the 14 days so we've talked about stopping that happening how to make that you know, what to do do if the client comes in too late. I think one thing that we haven't really touched on, I'm not sure if we were going to touch on it, but let me just uh, touch on it now, is um, when the client, the revisions are larger than you expected. So we've talked about the client hating it, but say we're at revision stage two, yeah? And they signed off a lot in stage one. They didn't change much. They were pretty happy. But and then you get then so then you do stage two and it's pretty much that and then they come back in. Oh, I'm sorry, I just showed it to my auntie Pat. Who oh no! School, oh, I hate she this. wrote a school newsletter in 1976, so she knows a lot about writing. And oh, she started marketing at uni. Yeah, my wife knew a man who owned a dictionary, so I asked her to review the copy. So at that stage, what do you do? And this, in agency terms, is where you would uh, re-quote the job. You would say, look, at this stage, given that you signed off you know, the skeleton draft that I have or, and the first draft, and now you're coming with this many changes at stage two, that kind of goes beyond the scope. It's, this is the tricky bit, though, eh? Because you haven't said to the client how many amends they can have. You've just said two rounds. But if they're fundamentally changing the message, moving content around, you have to be able to articulate to them that this is too much and you're going to need extra time so how do you handle that um with 
much groaning and whine. Um, do you know what? I've, I'm not that brave and more often than not I would just um, suck it up. Um, it's kind of like the client hating it. I mean, these are the red flags. These are like the projects that where this has happened to me have made me think, what are the flags that I can identify to stop this happening again? Um, but, yes, I would explain that these are substantial differences and I would try to dig into how they came about. Um, if it was a complete rewrite, I would definitely um, say this is going to require additional time and this is unexpected. This is the kind of revisions that, that really need to come into version one. But to be honest, if they pushed really hard, I would probably just do it. <laughs> you know, yeah. weakling. Yeah, I know. No. I don't want to make people unhappy. I just, uh, it's one of the things I did in my business, I uh, do in my business. I'm like, I just want to make people happy. I want people to think it's awesome to work with me. And sometimes I did that to my detriment. Yes. And I think then you don't enjoy working with the client and you resent them. And yes. You know, often if you push back, they're perfectly fine about it. It's just about articulating it in, in the right uh, way. So, you know, go. you come back to me and you say, hey, look, you know, this is changes are substantial. Uh, page three, you'd already signed that copy off. Now you've added another 200 words for me to write. Page four, you're now saying you want a whole new page. I'm afraid that wasn't in the original scope. So just bullet, gently bullet out. The big, I mean, obviously you're not going to go through everything, but the big changes, and then just go back to them and say, I'm happy to make these changes, but it's going to be a couple of extra hours. Would you like me to add them to the final invoice? Nine times out of 10, you know what they say? That's fine. And then you move on with the project feeling good about it. You don't resent them. Because I know that a lot of copywriters get to the end of the project and go, I didn't enjoy that one. I feel like I got taken for a ride and I did more than I should have done. And it just leaves a bit of a yicky taste in your mouth and you're not proud of the work. Staying in control of your processes and managing the revisions in a reasonable way can really help you feel proud of every job that you do. Yeah. And what I particularly like about the phrasing you you gave there, Kate, is would you like me to end, add it to the end of the invoice? That's a pretty simple question that doesn't leave any room for negotiation. Oh, yeah, it's going to be added, but when is it going to be added is the question. Yeah, you either want the changes, yes. in which case you can just add it on. Yeah. Or you don't, and we can work with what we've got. Yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm giving, I'm quoting some good emails here. I'm writing emails for you people. I hope you're transcribing as you go. And that's, you know, part of the thing we, we talk about with our process and being the project manager. This is not a like, oh, is it okay if I do this? And, you know, would you be okay if I, you, know, you state what happens and uh, you kind of deal with the consequences. But when you do it in a friendly and professional way, you don't need to be a jerk. More often than, than not, the client goes, oh, okay, fair enough. Or, oh, I misunderstood. Okay, actually, we don't need that extra page. That's fine. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's it. Totally. You know, I think the thing is we're so scared to push. We actually argue ourselves out of doing the thing before the clients even had a chance to get involved. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We're so sure the client's going to say no that we actually say no ourselves and just do it. So. Yeah. One of the things I do to keep kind of clients focused on the revisions uh, or the revision cycle is I actually in my copy deck, I have, um, you know, dates for version one, version two, version three. So I say version one and I put today's date. That's what you're getting. But then I have a line for version two and I have a version line for version three. So just to kind of remind them that there is an end to this process, that this is not an endless thing. So that's something I kind of, I, I, started doing when I found that clients were just going, oh, just one one more word change or just one more tweak. I'm like, no, we're done. 
we're done. I actually have an end of project sign-off document that I send after I've done the two rounds uh, saying, hey, here you go. Um, this is a template you can grab in the shop, by the way. Uh, here you go. Uh, this is just to hand over the copyright of your copy because until you sign this, it's still mine. Uh, and also it has some stuff in there about testimonials and it also makes it very clear that we're done and any future work will be an additional charge. So having a document that they have to like view and sign really helped with that as well. So, I, you know, you don't get any more emails basically yeah and that's I have that as well and um, what I like is that combination of approval handover testimonial or review and the way I always catch I mean we'll, we'll link to the episode we did on testimonials but it's sort of like I'd love to get a review of your experience with me as your copywriter so you can I always ask them a few questions stitch that together get a testimonial, boom. But when you put it all in one thing, you're not following up going, hey, can I get a testimonial as well? But it really yeah. it's an easy way to put an end to the project. Totally. I agree. Mm. So one thing I wanted to follow up on, we always, we do have that whole episode on testimonials, but I remember you always get people to post their testimonials on like LinkedIn and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. You want to know how I do it? I'm not telling you. <laughs> It's my secret. You know what? how I do it? I just ask them. So I put all the links in my email. I write the testimonial for them with gaps for them to fill in. It's usually just adjectives. Um, so Kate was a something, something copywriter. And I hope that they don't write crappy, annoying. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then I give them and say, look, it'd be great if you could post it here. Most important one, Google. Uh, but if you have a few minutes just to also cut and paste it onto LinkedIn and Facebook, then the, here are the links. And mo- most most people do, you know, not everybody, but most people do. And it means I've got a nice mix of uh, uh, testimonials everywhere. I'm nearly at 200 testimonials on Google. Which- uh, a lot of that. A Google, Google, um, my Google My Business yeah, page. Yeah, it's fantastic, um, and that's why, like, even though we've got a whole episode on testimonials, I wanted to mention it because that that putting the links into where they can post them because I I don't do this, or I never did it because I thought, oh, it's too much hassle for them, but it's not. And yeah. by putting the links in, you make it so much easier. And as you said, if you don't ask, you don't get. So you, but of course. Of course, not every client's going to do that for you. Some clients we have a special relationship with. We know this. Some clients, it just goes beautifully. You love them. They love you. You know, those are the ones where you can say, oh, gosh, thanks so much for putting it on Google. Do you have five minutes to copy and paste it onto Facebook? Because you've got that relationship. They like you. You like them. They understand that testimonials are part of business. Obviously, not all clients are going to be willing to do that, but you do find some. And, you know, obviously, over time, I've just had so many clients that it looks like they've all done it. But in reality, it's not. It's the special ones that have done it. Yeah. But as you said, if you don't ask, you don't get. So, you know, you've gone through the revisions, you've wrapped it up. And whether it's been a, a bit of a sticky, tricky revision process or not, getting that final approval is really important. And you can usually do it in one foul swoop with a form on your website, get the approval, hand over the copy. Um, the copyright and um, and get a testimonial. So so that's it. Like we've two episodes, first draft all the way to a five-star review. Do you have any final thoughts, Kate? I think we've been pretty comprehensive. I think we have too. I think we're done. Well, I think this has been a good idea to do a two-parter. So uh, let's do this again. Yeah, I hope so. Look, if anyone has any ideas on where 
where they want to dig in. They want us to dig in on a specific thing. Let us know on um, Twitter or the Hot Copy Facebook page because we've always got lots of ideas of stuff we can talk about, but maybe maybe it's different to what we want to hear. <laughs> yeah, like I think that's so true. Um, obviously, you know, we can keep putting stuff up, but we would really like to hear back from you. Um, we always love testimonials and things as well, but any suggestions you have for episodes, anything you're struggling with, let us know because we've been doing this now for, I think, two years uh, and we want to make sure that the future episodes are what you want to hear. So tell us, please. Tell us. But now let's wrap it up. We'll say goodbye. Regular listeners know that this is when we read out a review of the show. And today it's to Di at Whistle Communications. Um, Di is a student on my course and she's pretty freaking awesome. Uh, This is an awesome podcast for new copywriting business owners. Not only do you get expert advice on writing, you get plenty of uh aha moments along the way with Belinda and Kate being completely candid on how they've learned to deal with clients, workload, stress, etc. They also share lots of relevant productivity tips which are awesome for the easily distracted now to implement some of these so thank you very much Di for taking the time to give us a review and if you want a shout out um leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher and if you have some thoughts on this episode head to hotcopypodcast.com we'd love to hear from you so that's it for today thank you Kate thank you very much until next time happy writing Thanks for listening right to the end. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy my two other podcasts. I have one called The Recipe for SEO Success, which is all about SEO tips, advice, and helping you grapple the Google beast. And my other, The Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, which is all about dealing with the stresses of running your own business. You can find both of them on iTunes and Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So the Makona coffee that, because I drink terrible instant coffee. I did not know that. Yeah, I Disgusted. Do you actually drink that stuff? I get it from Australia. That's how much I love it. But it's the only coffee I drink. I mean, that is so hilarious. If I, I did not, how can this not have been talked about before?